Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. A lot of you are on hold. You got questions. I want to spend some time this half hour taking your phone calls, 877-973-7425. Before I do that, though, and I will this segment, I promise, I'll spend just a minute, make it a point, and then I'll move on to your phone calls. The border situation, uh, the the southern border, we'll get into this, but there's word coming of a massive wave of illegal immigrants trying to come across the border. The Biden administration uh, continues to blame the Trump administration for all of its problems at the border, even as they're re-embracing Trump-era policies on detainment. In East Palestine, Ohio, the Biden administration rushed out to claim Donald Trump was to blame for the Norfolk Southern derailment because of a rollback of regulations that actually did not apply in the situation. But it was a way to get the media to go after Trump instead of Biden on the situation by blaming Donald Trump. And now they've done it again. With the Silicon Valley Bank situation, they've rushed out to blame a Trump-era regulatory rollback claiming that it was Donald Trump's fault that this happened. Uh, Stephanie Rule, who's one of the anchors on MSNBC, uh, is also has a business background. She tweeted this, important reminder in 2018, Republicans voted in unison to roll back bank risk oversight rules. Silicon Valley Bank lobbied hard to make this happen and won. Now some of those same Republicans are demanding all Silicon Valley Bank clients be made whole immediately. She deleted the tweet, and she deleted the tweet because she agreed with the Republicans at the time. So what does the new legislation do? It raises the threshold from $50 billion to $250 billion in which banks are deemed too big to fail. These banks will not have to undergo stress tests to prove they can survive another economic freefall. And it leaves fewer than 10 big banks in the U.S. subject to stricter federal oversight. Joining me now, CNBC editor-at-large, John Harwood. John, I'm just going to start with I think this is a really good idea. In 2008, 2009, I worked in investment banking. I was in the gnarliest part of the business in structured credit derivatives. And banks took way too much risk, and we didn't have enough cash in reserves. But when Dodd-Frank was put into place, it brushed every bank in the same way, and we were subject to regulatory capture. So those massive J.P. Morgans of the world, they can afford to hold more capital. They can hire a 1,000 more compliance officers. But if you ran a small or mid-sized bank that predominantly did loans in the Midwest, you couldn't possibly afford that. And they were the institutions that got strangled. And even if you don't care about banking, if you need a loan and you run a small business in all different parts of the country, you couldn't get it. because That was Stephanie Rule. So in 2018, she said it was a great idea. She agreed with it. She explained why. And then she tried to make a partisan point that look at what the Republicans did in 2018. She deleted her tweet because she got exposed. Also, you'll note she mentioned Dodd-Frank. Turns out Barney Frank was on the board of Signature Bank that's been closed. Mac Rees at, at Bloomberg, it was a seemingly unthinkable scene. Barney Frank, co-author of the Dodd-Frank Act, the radical overhaul of banking systems, after the 2008 global financial crisis, was having his own uh, Dick Fold moment. 
There was none other than the fold style shouting and ranting, but Frank, just like the former Lehman Brothers top executive had famously done, was taking to the phones to lament how authorities had unnecessarily shuttered the bank he helped oversee. Frank, to the surprise of some, landed on the board of Signature Bank, a New York-based lender that boomed during the pandemic. It was seized by regulators. Frank himself had argued that his own regulations had gone too far and pushed the GOP rollback in 2018. And here come the Biden team, the 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 left, uh, the Robert Reiches of the world and others saying, look, it was Trump, it was Trump, it was Trump's fault. Trump did this. Trump rolled back the regulations. The stress test regulations that Trump rolled back did not impact this. Same thing with East Palestine, Ohio. This is becoming a pattern. The left points to a regulatory rollback of the Trump administration, completely unrelated to the current situation, and uses that to say Trump is liable here. Trump is at fault here. And uh, the media runs with it until people come out and say, wait a second, these regulations don't apply. By then, they've had their attack. The damage is done, and the media never walks it back. This is the partisan gamesmanship of the left right now. They don't want to own it. They don't want to attribute their own policies to it. They want to blame Donald Trump even when it's not fair to do so. And the media attacks. And then you've got an anchor at MSNBC on video says she supported the rollback and yet can't help but attack the Republicans for it now until people pointed out she supported it and she deleted her tweet. Unbelievable partisanship hackery. Now, we got people on the phones who have questions. I got answers. 877-973-7425. Jim, you're going to be up first. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Well, listen, I, I've read here that the Federal Reserve Bank is creating a new bank term funding program on top of all this FDIC money. What does this mean? Are they going to start printing money or what? So they're they're moving funds around within the FDIC. Um, they are. Um, let me just read you this from uh, CNBC. Uh, plans announced to fully reimburse deposits made in collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank will rely on Wall Street and large financial institutions to foot the bill. For the banks that were put into receivership, the FDIC will use funds from the deposit insurance fund to ensure all depositors are made whole. The deposit insurance fund is bearing the risk. This is not funds from the taxpayer. It's funds from banks. It's part of the FDIC fueled by quarterly fees assessed on FDIC insured financial institutions, as well as interest on government bonds that they invest the money in. There's over a hundred billion dollars in it, more than sufficient to cover the depositors. In addition, the Federal Reserve will do a bank firm bank term funding program aimed at safeguarding institutions vulnerable to the market instability. So how will this work? The new Fed facility will offer loans of up to one year to banks, savings associations, credit unions, and other institutions. Those taking advantage of the facility will be asked to pledge high-quality collateral like treasury bonds, agency debt, and mortgage-backed securities. The bank term fund program will value the fixed income assets at par, a boon to banks that hold long-term assets with yields lower than current market rates. In other words, um, if your mortgage, if your bank-backed mortgage security is lower than the federal funds rate, they'll be able to swap to the federal funds rate. Now, how does all this come 
Uh, it's two separate bailouts, according to the Wall Street Journal, and probably not a good idea. And again, my concern here is the moral hazard at stake. If the Federal Reserve is going to bail everybody out of their financial mistakes, there is no reason to assess risk. If the Fed is going to step in and prevent banks from collapsing and depositors from losing money, there is no reason for risk. There's no reason to do a risk assessment. Just let the federal government do it all. And if you let the federal government do it all, why not bail out student loans? Why not forgive everybody's mortgage? Why not do all of these things? It's a terrible process. And the federal government, you got to keep in mind, the federal government is the one that caused so many of these problems to begin with. The federal government doesn't really have the money to do this either because we've already overspent. Now, Bernie Sanders, interestingly enough, is a really hated the bank bailouts 2008. He thought they should have just gone belly up. Um, he's saying that uh, this, this new bailout, if it's going to be done, needs to be a 100% backed by Wall Street and not by federal taxpayer dollars. Uh, Republicans are signaling based on a behind-the-scenes briefing that taxpayers will not be on the hook for this bailout, and so they're okay with it. I still am not, and I'm not because, again, if the Federal Reserve can move heaven and earth to bail out any bank that comes on hard times, those banks no longer have a reason to manage their risk. To the phones again, Eddie, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Hope you had a great weekend. (laughs) Thank you. I sure did. Hope you did, too. Thank you, sir. Um, I consider myself somewhat of an expert on this uh, bailout because I was caught up in the mortgage crisis, and I see the same thing about ready to happen again. And what that is is that the banks basically took the bailout money, and they were supposed to use that money to help people keep their homes. And instead what they did was they put the money in their own banks, they drew the interest, and then when they paid back the money, they used that money to catch up their bonuses. Um, As an example, during that time, we had two homes. We lost one, and the other one, it took me four years to reaffirm it. And the the year that I was losing everything, the CEO of one of the banks um, made $22 million. Wow. So I see the same thing happening this time. Um, One of the banks was fined $200 million, and what they did was they took the entire portfolio sold it to another bank, and then that other bank said, hey, we don't know anything about your situation. So um, if it's allowed to happen again, they keep bailing these banks out. Um, It was considered back then fraud, forgery, unsafe and unsound business practices, and I'm not for it just like you're not. Yeah, look, and, and, you know, we know that Silicon Valley Bank last week at the beginning of the week paid a bunch of bonuses to its employees. And uh, the CEO and others started selling stock. There's got to be an SEC investigation into the insider trading situation here, the, the, what they were doing. I, if, if we continue to bail out banks who make financial decisions without any assessment of risk, this is going to be a sad, sick cycle, and it's going to further destabilize the economy. Eddie, thanks very much for the for the comment. 877-973-7425 is the number. Just real quick. Uh, let, let me just put it to you this way what, one more time. If you know that no matter what you do, 
you're going to be taken care of. You stop making risk assessments. If you know that if you jump out of an airplane without a parachute on, that God's going to catch you and put you safely on the ground, why would you ever put the parachute on? If you're a bank and you know no matter how badly you make your risk assessments, the Fed is going to take care of you, why make any risk assessments at all? And we know in Silicon Valley Bank situation, most major banks invest in treasuries with their excess cash. And Silicon Valley Bank chose not to, deliberately chose not to do what other banks do, thought they could do better, and they failed to manage their risk accurately. And you can say, yes, well, the equity shareholders and the bondholders of the bank are going to get wiped out. But there's a larger issue here with banks. It also takes out the risk assessment of the individual depositors who no longer have to say, well, um, this bank is in the FDIC. I can stick my money there. The FDIC will bail it out if something happens. No, you shouldn't be putting your money in crap banks either. If you got a fly-by-night bank that happens to be FDIC insured, I mean, you don't have to do a risk assessment. Yes, it is true. We have too few major banks in this country. We have let antitrust run amok, I think. Uh, having these massive, too-big-to-fail banks in this country is a dangerous thing. And personally, I like regional banks. And I, I want to develop – in fact, I, I got to reach out to a guy who called the show the other day. Uh, I actually would uh, – we have an account with Bank of America. I've got an account with Ally. Uh, when Old Glory Bank starts up, that's a bank out of Oklahoma that uh, a lot of the conservatives are funding – that is going to be anti-woke, so if you have a gun business, you can do bank, banking with it. They're actually credible. They bought an existing bank and rebranded it, and I'd love to do business with them, but I want a local banker. I Look, I got I to gotta do better with managing my money. My wife and kids and I, we want to go through the Dave Ramsey program. I got to do better. Um, I would love to have someone who could sit down and help us and teach us and because it, it's a skill set I had at one point in my life and I've lost. And I would just love to have an individual banker. And, and I've got uh, Dave Nicholas was on. I use him and my buddy John Lindvig. They handle my money. And uh, they're great. And I can call on them. But, man, I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day. He was talking about, oh, well, I met with my local banker and blah, 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 blah. I was like, I just I, – I, I, my local banker's at a different bank. They, they change all the time when you use, like, Bank of American stuff. I think local banks and credit unions and, and savings and loans are great. But, um, yeah. I kind of get worried when the Fed takes away the risk assessment and none of these people have to actually run a good business anymore, just knowing Uncle Sam's going to bail them out. That causes more problems long term. So my kid has a queen-size bed. We've got a king-size bed. We got him bull and branch sheets, and he's used them. He had, like, kid sheets, and now he's old enough he doesn't want the, the action figure sheets anymore. Well, we got lost because, I mean, the sheets look like our sheets, except they're queen-size sheets, and they got put in our closet, and the kid was in despair. We got him Bolin Branch sheets. They've gotten softer and softer, and he's like, where are my real sheets? He refused to sleep until we found the real sheets because they're that soft. They're that good. They're made with a 100% organic cotton thread. They get softer in every wash. You can stay cozy all winter long with a set of Bolin Branch sheets. They really are that good. We have them on multiple beds in our house. My goodness, my seriously, my kid, uh, he's finally like, my sheets are for kids. I'm I'm grown up now, and 
Uh, it's just a, a step of quality above what he had, and now he's like can't sleep without these sheets. They're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They're made without toxins. They're free of pesticides, formaldehyde, other chemicals. They fit the deepest mattress too, which I love because we have a very thick mattress on our bed, and it fits. It doesn't like bunch up and then snap off in the middle of the night when you roll over. You can get 15% off your forced order Bowl & Branch sheets when you use promo code ERIC at BowlAndBranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's Bowl & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I've only got about a minute so sit tight. I want to take your phone calls when we come back. I just, before I do anything else, I just, I, just a word, please. Um, I am watching the XFL because I'm not an NBA fan. And, you know, I get together with my friends on Sunday nights. They sit on my front porch. Oh, do I have a great recipe to send out to y'all this week? It's like a little Mexican cornbread muffin with taco meat and cheese. But nonetheless, I, I'm watching the XFL last night. I'm thinking, you know, I've seen college football games that are better than this. These guys want to be in the NFL. That game last night, the DC, what, Defenders, I think it is, and the the Las Vegas Vipers, that was just a bad football game. It was a really, really bad football game. Uh, and the DC team is good, but... I mean, they threw the ball at one point, quarterback threw the ball at one point, and it's like none of the Las Vegas team even knew how to tackle the person. I just, oh, look, I, I, I kind of like the idea of the XFL being a feeder team, a, a minor league team to the NFL, but I think, what is it called, Re- rescission or whatever, or regression, uh, where in the Premier League in Britain, the big teams that don't do well, they, they got to go to the lower league. I think that would be awesome if we did that in the NFL with the XFL, but I mean, it, the, it was such a bad game. I mean, like SEC football, Big Ten football is better than what I saw on TV last night with the XFL. It was, I can't get into it. All right, I, so I, I want to I do something. We haven't done this in a while. It is really out of my own curiosity. Um, all of you, if you're, don't do this if you're driving. But the rest of you, just out of curiosity, text the word Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. I'm just geographically, we got a lot of new stations on board now. And I'm curious because I get a little geographic marker of where everybody texts from. So I can see if you just text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to the number 33777. I'm just curious to see who all is listening and where right now. I want to go to the phones. A lot of you have had questions, 877-973-7425. Mike, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Hey, Eric. Thank you so much. Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, thank you so much for uh, sharing the truth with people. And I I think a lot of people, unfortunately, myself included at one time, were unknowledgeable about certain events and certain affairs, one of those being the Federal Reserve. They're no long, They're no part. No more part of the federal government, as is UPS or Federal Express. They're a private banking entity, and they loan our government money, 
and and then we have to pay interest on that money. And a lot of people don't are not aware of that that they hold us in bondage uh, from that standpoint. But uh, from the standpoint of what's happening with the banks, uh, everybody should know that you need to check on the bank to make sure that it's the deposits are federally insured. Uh, there's two sides of the bank. There's the investor side, the people that invest, like buying a bank stock, and they run 100% of the risk if the bank goes out of business. And then you have the shareholders. The shareholders should always be protected. And if they're dealing with a bank that, that doesn't do that, then they should switch their assets out. Well, wait, 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 wait. Hang, hang on a second. Let, let's let's clarify the terminology here because a shareholder is the investor. They own the share of stock. You're talking about the depositors. The, the depositor, that is absolutely correct. My, my mistake. The depositor, if a bank's not insured, two things. Number one, um, limit the amount of money you put in the bank in the first place because you're not getting any return on it, you know. Uh, but then the second thing is if that bank is not federally insured, it'll say that on the door of the bank yeah. and or you can ask the bank. And if it's, if their deposits are not federally insured, you don't have to bank there. There's there's no gun to our head saying we have to bank there. Um, the uh, Back in 08 and 09, uh, during the economics, economic meltdown, correction of the market, uh, the bank, the, the Federal Reserve saved the bank. But then the Federal Reserve didn't save Shearson Lehman. They let them they let them fail. And, uh, you know, they saved one bank, but they didn't let the other bank. What irks me is that they gave TARP money to all the big banks that we know of today, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase Bank, all those banks. And Bank of America bought countrywide mortgage for like 19 cents on the dollar. They used our tax dollars to buy these assets of people that owned homes that had mortgages with Countrywide, and Bank of America got them for 19 cents on the dollar. Then they turned around, and they they had money from the Federal Reserve that they used to buy Merrill Lynch for less than 30 cents on the dollar. Well, okay, so now keep in mind here with with the Merrill Lynch situation, and this one, let me let me take this one from a different angle, Mike, and appreciate the phone call. the The Federal Reserve largely forced the marriage of Bank of America and Merrill Lynch. It, it really wasn't a, a voluntary thing. the The Merrill Lynch and Federal Reserve and, and Bank of America really <laughs> they they didn't have a whole lot of of say in the matter. Um, as the Federal Reserve did uh, consolidation. The Lehman Brothers situation was somewhat different because they weren't a bank. So the Federal Reserve really couldn't do a lot for Lehman Brothers because Lehman Brothers it wasn't actually, they were an investment bank per se, but it wasn't really the same setup under uh, the FDIC situation. Uh, now keep in mind as well that the Bank of America, the feds went after them and got back $16.65 billion uh, to resolve the claims against Countrywide and Merrill Lynch and the result as part of that resolution. Now, let me step back here because uh, one of the things, Mike, I, I got to correct you slightly on the Federal Reserve situation. It is part of the government. It, it is not a private bank per se, although there are aspects of it that are. It's a kind of convoluted system, which is why a lot of people don't like it and think it artificially sets interest rates where we actually should have uh, the markets do them. But the Federal Reserve 
comes from the uh, 1913, the Federal Reserve Act. Uh, there are uh, Federal Reserve banks around the country uh, divided through the nation with a board of governors. Uh, chartered banks in the nation have to have stock in the Federal Reserve, and the Federal Reserve has to hold stock in them, and they get to appoint part of the governors. Uh, you have the Federal Open Markets Committee aspect of the Fed, which is the governors, and they get to set the policy for the Federal Reserve. It's a con complicated, convoluted system. But the bottom line key here is it ultimately is, in fact, part of the federal government. It is not a private uh, institution. It is essentially the central bank of the United States. Now, I don't want to go into gold standard of banks. I will just tell you that going all the way back to the beginning of this country, it has been a matter of philosophical policy dispute among people whether or not we should have a central bank. In fact, uh, if you will recall, uh, the way Washington, D.C. was designed was to have a clear view from the White House down to the U.S. Capitol. Ironically, the Treasury building blocks the view now, and that's because during a fight with Andrew Jackson over whether or not to have a, another central bank in the country, Jackson got furious with Congress and allegedly, history would say, uh, built the Treasury, decided to build the Treasury building on the White House grounds to block his view of the Capitol so he could gesture obscenities at Congress without anybody seeing. Uh, that, that's one of the urban legends of Washington, D.C. there. We've had a fight over central banks all the way going to the very founding of our republic. Uh, we have one now, and it's not an area that I care to relitigate all the time because every country after World War II essentially did the same thing. And they, we have fiat currency now where it's not tied to a standard for gold or anything like that. Uh, and the system is as it is. The Fed has two major uh, areas. One is to set interest rates. That is the biggest area of the Fed, to fight inflation through the setting of interest rates. And the second is the control of employment. The Federal Reserve is supposed to set monetary policy uh, without the intervention of politicians uh, to regulate our economy. Now, you should note the president picks the members of the Federal Reserve, they serve a certain period of time so that uh, they they last past presidencies typically. And in so doing, it takes the politics out of the system, but the president of the United States can fire the chairman of the Federal Reserve who can also be impeached. Um, so there is that political oversight aspect there. Uh, now, when TARP came around in 2008, that's the TARP stands for Troubled Asset Relief Program. It's a program the federal government created. It was signed into law by George Bush uh, during all of the financial meltdowns. Essentially, it allowed $700 billion to be spent. Uh, and that money was designed to purchase troubled assets. That is a lot of mortgage-backed securities that a lot of banks had invested in to prevent the wholesale collapse of banks in this country. I personally, again, philosophically believe it was a bad idea. Now, I realize there would have been hell to pay, and I realize uh, there would have been massive cascading economic problems. I realize all of that, but I also realize that by allowing TARP to happen, by doing the bailout of General Motors, 
What was happening was Congress taking risk out of the equation. No one had to worry about um, the, the logical consequences of their bad actions. Nobody had to worry about that sort of stuff. The result is that uh, because no one had to worry about the results of their actions in the financial market, they could make wildly uh, risky moves knowing the federal government would bail them out. And that is a problem in my mind. It, it is a real and distinct problem in my mind that uh, whether it was TARP in 2008 or whether it's what the Federal Reserve is doing today, uh, they are situations that took risk out of the system while purporting to maintain risk in the system, which is deeply dishonest. I just, I think we could have done better. I think we should have done better. Um, I do think it is very notable that Republicans today have come out after some behind-the-scenes explanations of the Federal Reserve, and by and large, Republicans who are a little bit skeptical, well, I shouldn't say a little bit, a lot of them are skeptical of the Federal Reserve, a lot of them are coming out and saying, based on their understanding, as of right now, this afternoon, the Federal Reserve's program that they've concocted over the weekend to help bail out banks will use Wall Street investment money. It will not use taxpayer dollars. And that's how they're justifying it. Now, one of the side aspects of this that benefits you in a real world is mortgage rates have collapsed today. Now, I should tell you, at the beginning of the day, uh, the Dow was up about 300 points. It sank in a negative territory, but it's rebounded now. It's up about 67 points right now. NASDAQ is up over 100 points. S&P 500 barely up, but up. The average rate of the 30-year fixed mortgage has dropped to 6.57% on Monday, which is actually a really good thing. Um, it's down from it's gone to five point or six point five seven, down from six point seven six. There was a recent high last Wednesday of seven point oh five percent. Mortgage rates follow the yield of the ten-year Treasury, fell to a one-month low in response to Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank in real terms. For a buyer looking at a $500,000 home with a 20% down payment on a 30-year fixed mortgage, the monthly payment this week is going to be $128 less than it was last week, but still way higher than it was in January. That's actually good for home buyers. It's also good for me looking at getting one of these home equity line of credit things. Um, the, the, the trouble here uh, outside the mortgage industry is... All these people putting their money in these banks, they're not having to do any sort of risk assessment, nor is the bank having to do any sort of risk assessment. You are benefiting if you're getting a mortgage because of the economic turmoil, and that's small comfort compared to the wider economy. Bill, you're going to be next on the Eric Erickson Show. Welcome. Thanks, Eric. I don't always agree with you, but I agree with you on this. Appreciate it. Um, you know, the saddest thing for me personally is I own a small family-owned business that we've had for 34 years. And if I made the same judgmental errors that these banks are making with my revenue, I wouldn't have uh, a golden parachute to bail me out uh, when I screw up. I, I, you know, I'd be faced with bankruptcy or um, the bank that I work with would recall any notes I have. So. Every piece of equipment, every piece of machinery that we buy, we have to calculate return on investment and risk management. And if we don't, we wouldn't have had this business for 34 years, and the government wouldn't bail us out. 
Yeah, look, I, I'm glad you said that because you as a business don't get bailed out. I understand the concerns about the financial industry, and I understand the concerns about depositors, and I understand about needing to pay employees and needing money in the bank, but you got to pay employees too. And if you screw up, the federal government doesn't swoop in and help you out because they don't think you're too big to fail. And we shouldn't have any company in this country or any bank in this country that is too big to fail. Uh, all of our banks should be able to fail. We've got to continue to allow David to beat Goliath. And if David can't slay Goliath, that means the government's decided Goliath is too big to fail. And, well, that's a bad thing for us. Now, with all this turmoil, there's actually a story I put in show notes today that a lot of people are on the markets are turning to government bonds and gold right now to help them with their investments. A lot of people move into precious metals over the weekend. If you have any interest in doing so, any questions about it at all, reach out to Advantage Gold. They're TrustLink's number one highest rated company seven years in a row, 800-450-2566. Don't believe me. I mean, CNBC today has a report about the number of people who are moving to bonds and to gold over the weekend. If you've got a question about moving to gold, how it can ease the ebbs and flows in your portfolio with all the market turmoil out there, Advantage Gold, this is why I love them. They answer your questions without the gimmicks. There's no hard sales pitch. Easy to understand educational information given to you so that you feel good about using precious metals if you're interested in it. You can do it for your individual investment account, for your IRA, for your 401k, so much more. It helps take the hypervolatility out of your portfolio. 800-450-2566. That's Advantage Gold's number. You can get a free gold IRA investment kit. 800-450-2566. If you have any questions at all about using gold in your portfolio, like so many people are starting to do, they can answer your questions for you. 800-450-2566. Call Advantage Gold Tell them I sent you. Let them answer your questions. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loans. Speaking of a well-run company that balances its risks, we're talking about all this Silicon Valley bank stuff. I mean, the sort of company you want to do business with is First Liberty. Listen, I know the Frost family. I'm biased towards them because they're good people. But they've been doing this since the early 90s, and they make their own lending decisions. And they're not going to get a federal bailout, and so they're really responsible with their money. They want to help you grow your business, and where a lot of banks may be telling you no, they might be able to tell you yes. And again, because they do this, they've been doing it since the 90s. They know how to assess the risks. If you're buying a building, building a building, growing a business, buying a franchise, expanding a franchise, $750,000 deals and higher, reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com, FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. They might be able to help you get to yes where a lot of folks are telling you no. I, I, I'm i going to have to – stuff I was going to talk about this hour, I'm going to have to move off to the next hour, and I want to get to it before I do, though. Rishi Sunak, who is the prime minister in Great Britain, uh, actually sat down with Lester Holt on uh, uh, NBC News because uh, – the British prime ministers in San Diego for a summit with Australia and the United States. They're developing a defense partnership to counter Beijing. And he's willing to speak pretty boldly about China that uh, it quote represents the biggest state threat to our economic interest. It's a systemic challenge for the world order. It's acting in a more authoritarian fashion at home and more assertive overseas. That's the British prime minister 
calling out China. Now, for perspective, this is our energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm. But, but I think China has done, um, has been very sensitive and has actually invested a lot in their solutions uh, to achieve their goals. So we're, we're hopeful that, you know, we can all learn from what China is doing, but the amount of money that they're investing in clean energy is actually, you know, uh, encouraging. Right. Uh, the New York Times editorial page, I kid you not, has an op-ed over the weekend on why we shouldn't be confrontational with China. Why? Climate change. We need their help on climate change, so we need to give them their way. Uh, the Wall Street Journal actually has a pretty impressive piece on how China has boxed the United States out of the South China Sea largely, and that's a problem. This administration, but frankly, even several of the prior administrations did not take the Chinese threat seriously, or they claimed to in their statements, but in what they did militarily, they really didn't. And that's a problem on a bipartisan basis that we have got to deal with. We're going to have to take China seriously. They are now an adversary. They're not an ally. They're not even a willing trading partner. They are flat out an aggressive ally, and too many people don't want to deal with that problem, even though it's a real substantive problem. When we come back, we got another problem to talk about, the madness in the GOP.